This is Maureen Kafkis, the Brain BS Coach, here to tell you about the episode today. In this episode, I speak with relationship and infidelity coach Luke Schillings. We discuss his personal story of divorce, how that led him to becoming a coach, and how his life and relationships have changed as a result of the work he's been doing for the last few years. He is a lot of fun to talk to. He's very insightful, very articulate. I love that he coaches people who are in a situation like this and that we can talk about this on the podcast because I think this is happening a lot in a lot of relationships and that we need to start normalizing it. So not normalizing it so that people do it, but normalizing it so that people aren't hiding it and the shame of being with someone who cheated on them or the shame of being the one who actually did the cheating. Like it or not, the truth is if we're doing a series on relationships, infidelity has to be included. So here you go, sit back, settle in episode 163 of the Brain BS podcast, talking infidelity with Coach Luke Schillings. Do you want more out of your life, but not exactly sure what that might be? Are you longing for something, but can't quite put your finger on what it is? That is the universe speaking to you, and it is time to listen up. I'm your host, Maureen Kafkis, the Brain BS Coach. I created the Brain BS Podcast to help people define what success means to them and show them how to get it. I help you to let go of fear and doubt and prepare your nervous system for success. I show you how to understand your own energy and to trust yourself to make all the decisions. If you are ready to go inward and stop looking outside yourself for all the answers, this is the podcast for you. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Brain BS Podcast. I have a male coach here today, which is super exciting because I want to get more men on the podcast because I want to attract more men listening to it. So today I have Luke Schillings, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and share what he wants you to know about him. Perfect. Thank you very much for having me on. So yes, uh, I am Luke Schillings. I am a father of two, a son, uh, a, a pre-existing family man, um, although my situation has changed a little bit over the last few years i've spent the majority of my life not knowing what on earth it is that i plan to do with my life in fact most of my adult life has been in a sort of undenying wobble of indecision and uncertainty and looking externally to try and find the, the best path i ended up meeting my wife um in my late 20s and obviously we got married had a couple of children bought a house did the very stereotypical route and then after eight years of marriage, um, she had an affair with a close friend of ours that ultimately led to separation and then divorce, which was obviously a very impactful experience in my life. And a lot of change happened during that time. We worked very actively on co-parenting and tried to form a, you know, a, a strong relationship there for, for ourselves, for our own sakes, and also for the children, of course. And I was, I'd kind of, I was at a place where I thought I knew what the next five or 10 years of my life looked like. And all of a sudden, I didn't know what the next day looked like. And I really felt like I was left with this, this blank canvas, uh, which initially was quite frightening, because, again, it was just uncertainty, lack of control. I love to control, I love to try and plan and know what's coming next. And all of a sudden, I didn't know what was happening at all. But then I started to see this blank canvas in a, in a new light. It was like having something that I could curate, something I could create myself and navigate any direction that I wanted. And 
I sort of stumbled into coaching um, by chance in a combination of ways and initially more as a kind of a client type role and then realized that there was something more there for me. There was, there was a lot of what I was learning and absorbing was actually quite validating in a lot of ways and supported much of how I dealt with my own healing journey following infidelity and then recognized that this was something I wanted to move into to really try and help people. And I can honestly say that now I really do know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that is what I currently do, which is a relationship and infidelity recovery coach. I'm a podcast host and yeah, just try and provide as much help, support, information into this world that is so taboo that, you know, it happens a lot. And of course, these conversations need to be had in some cases, just to help people process and heal, move forward afterwards, but in others to maybe prevent, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Well, um, I'm really happy you're here because we haven't talked about infidelity on the podcast. And um, I think it's an important topic because I think it's happening a lot. Um, and also, like, I mean, I know that's what your work centers around, <clears throat> but there's so many ways to betray your partner and their trust that this work extends even beyond anybody who's in a relationship that has Way had you know, infidelities, right? Um, but you did bring up something that, which I can tell that you've done the work because of the way you said it, but I'm married to someone who is divorced and I've been around a lot of people who are, and you were talking about how you were going to, um, you and your wife were, were able to co-parent for the kids in a positive way. And my husband did that with his ex-wife too, but that doesn't always happen. And it's like quite the, how often do you see that that becomes like a, a major issue for people? More often than I would like, let's say. Um, I, I think the majority of people hold so much bitterness or they build so much bitterness and resentment, not just from the infidelity, but usually from years and years together where the, They've, they've not really met each other's needs or they've not. And, well, and I, I say that very carefully because I actually don't believe that one person should meet the needs of another person. But when these expectations in a relationship are not aligned, this leads to a gradual building of resentment over time. And often the act of infidelity or betrayal is really more of a symptom than the actual core problem within the relationship is often uh, something that exposes something deeper the problem being for many people is that the infidelity itself can be so damaging that it creates that final sever in that relationship and then when they do part ways and of course there's children involved if you haven't either understood how to really build a solid relationship or even understand what a relationship really is because it's not something that we're really taught particularly in modern education we're not taught how to be in a relationship with someone we're just kind of pushed out into the world and we just look at everybody else and see what they're doing but then the thing is you realize that they're doing exactly the same thing looking at you so we're all just kind of making it up as we go along and and everybody's yeah, wearing masks and pretending like things are okay which you, uh, exactly. you bring up when you say it's like a symptom because so like in your own marriage would, were you able to recognize then, like when you looked back on it, how it was the symptom of other things going on? Yeah, I think to an extent. So I think I, I recognized certainly from, from my relationship, both my self-reflection and conversations that I've had with my, my ex-wife about it, 
that there was obviously a distance at some point in time we had been on the same track if you like we'd been on two parallel lines and we were working as a cohesive team children came along we were both working full-time life was you know it was it was hard work by all things considered you know we were often much like passing ships and really very functional and it became a little bit monotonous and a little bit routine and it was okay it wasn't bad and I think I believed that it was just part of how life should be but for her at least it definitely created some little fork in the road and then that that gap started to increase over time and it wasn't communicated so I was probably playing along as though I thought everything was okay and yes okay things weren't perfect but that's how I thought it should be and she was sort of moving away in in her own mind let's say and this divide was appearing and we weren't collectively communicating and I don't hold her completely responsible for that we there was obviously not an environment that was suitable maybe or as as constructed as well enough as it could have been to allow that communication to really happen to understand what our true wants and needs were actively and just accepting that actually these you know people's needs and wants do change and I think often people get into relationships and we go through that honeymoon period and there's all the emotions and it's wonderful and then it settles into a, a normal longer term relationship where maybe love forms but actually in that early stage very few conversations are actually had about how you're actually going to be together we set certain goals in the future and a lot of those are dictated by society in terms of maybe we want children maybe we want to get married maybe we want to have kids maybe we want to get a certain thing whatever it is often material things but we don't really talk about or have those conversations about how we're going to communicate what it is that we truly want at our cause what are our individual values and how are we going to adjust that through life as we go so i think reflecting back on that and noticing that that part was missing then for, for definite i don't think i was a bad husband um i loved being a husband it was an identity that i really i really relished i i, I thought I, I really enjoyed and if, if anything that was one of the biggest things that i found hardest to let go to begin with I was losing that identity of who I was and obviously I loved my wife I say obviously but to me it was obvious I did love my wife there was there was no there was no question about that um so yeah of course it's natural to turn inwards and start to beat yourself up and question yourself as to oh how, how did I not see this coming you know what, well it's what interesting because you talk about communication and stuff and there's a lot of people that just can't communicate like they they really have a hard time speaking up and saying what it is that they need especially if uh it, they're afraid of how it's going to be received by someone else and then also like in Susan Page's book why talking's not enough she she brought up something that was so true and really resonated with me and I'm thinking the same with you because you're very articulate you're insightful and we know how to have a really good conversation about this kind of stuff right so then we were I don't know how your wife is but my husband that's not his strength so he, Same. so if we sat down and we had a conversation about our marriage and I was like 
like laying all this stuff out there for him he would just be like uh well you know like he wouldn't even be able to compete with me and that's why she says it's often not about problem solving that when you have an issue with someone it goes on and on and on it's not a problem to be solved it's a fact of life to be accepted about the other exactly. it's, it's about the expectations that you have of how your partner should or shouldn't behave or how you think that they should show up or how they should deal with conflict or difficult decisions and difficult situations. And you're exactly right. So I played the you in my relationship and my wife played your husband, if you like, in that role. She, She's not one for, I, I like to problem solve. I like to talk it through. I like to fix it there and then. Let's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that idea of like this, this like invisible cloud i'm imagining you know yeah. to exist in you know as time goes by and she's much more of a processor like she she's much more to the point very black and white and i think for many years i probably gradually built up a small amount of resentment as because well why didn't she just why didn't she just do it like i did it it's so much better the way i do it that's that's how i was telling myself you know but the moment i released the expectation of how she should handle things, how she should process her emotions, then actually I felt a lot lighter, a lot lighter. And I did recognize that before we got divorced. But on reflection, I mean, of course, it would have been better if I'd recognized that earlier, how much that had to play. Who, who knows? Relationships, I think, are just too complicated to put them, pin anything down to, to one individual element um it's, it's often a very complex web of of things because you know you spend a bit well we've been together 12 years at that point and a lot of things happen in that time yeah well Terrence <laughs> real in his book us have you read that i've not no so good you have to read it for sure hey Terrence real he talks about our relational stance and it's like who we are First of all, it's our adaptive child self usually that shows up in a marriage who is um, getting triggered when we're fighting with our spouse and stuff. Yep. So, And nothing ever is going to be solved when two adaptive child selves are coming together to try to figure something out. But he also talks about the relational stance. And I think this is super interesting in couples. You develop a pattern of behavior of how you get along and how you fight and how you react to everything, you know, over time. And when you don't have any awareness of what's happening and all you see is the other person and not how you're like contributing to that pattern and making it worse, it's just like a, it's a go-to way of reacting. It's pretty consistent the way we Very respond. Much so. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, I love the fact that there's so many different most fascinated by all the different modalities or the different ideas concepts and they're all essentially pointing at the same mm. same thing um i i as you were talking there i'm immediately thinking of attachment styles and 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 if i was to sort of label myself and my wife or my ex-wife i i think i was pretty secure but there was definitely a a, a tinge of anxious there as well and I think she was probably more on the avoidant side. And of course, when you get that kind of anxious avoidant type dynamic, one's pushing and wanting more, which is making the avoidant push further and further away, trying to get away from it. See, like, yeah, you're endlessly chasing each other around in a circle and that communication has never happened. And one becomes dependent on the other and one becomes resistant and resentful of the other. And 
you know, when I think of it in that context, it's like, okay, there's probably some truth in that. It doesn't excuse, it doesn't, but it it offers a framework in which you can then actually put your peg in the ground and say, right, okay, this is what I have and this is my plan to, to move forward with it. And of course, it'd be great personally i think that the whole education system should should change just to teach all this stuff and we figure oh, out all the other stuff sure. later you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah what's more yeah, important yeah. than relations yeah. right? but there's exactly. another thing that terence Roll talks about too so i want to bring this up because this is definitely going to go with what we're talking about he talks about uh how you one up people or one down them, that we all do this everyone does this on a regular basis all day long so in our mind we are either looking at someone, our partner, or someone else, and we're like, well, the only reason that they have that is because so-and-so gave them this, and so-and-so gave them that. And then he calls that being con- being with the emotion of contempt for others, and it's being grandiose about yourself, and that that's how you sort of make yourself feel better in the situation. And then we have, I'll never be good enough, I'll never be able to do what that person does. And that's more inferior, and it kind of goes with shame. And that we go back and forth with this, like on a regular basis, and but it all stems from contempt. And then Susan Page's book talks about the first loving action being adopting a spirit of goodwill and being married and still successfully married now, 20 something years. I mean, there are just times where you do not have a spirit of goodwill about your partner. (laughs) Sorry, I cannot do that all the time. I mean, who, who, who was it that said that we should? Well, it's it's a spiritual approach. She's saying yeah. to try to do that, but I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, and I'm kind of like the reality buster and spirit practical and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you can try, but I think it would be really difficult. I mean, it, it's impossible to do all the time. Yeah. But I think that's like, and it, it treat you could treat that just like you could treat a goal or a destination. You know, we, we we're aiming for something, and we, we've got our, our arrows, if you like, our needles, all aiming in that direction. But the journey could be bumpy as as hell and and you don't know what forks in the road there are going to be and but i think just by having that that focal point that ideal um i don't even like the word ideal but that that essence of something that could be something that aligns with me as an individual aligns with my values that's something i can aim towards but or or at least if you can just remember to be a set of rules Right, right. But I mean, yeah. just to remember that you're supposed to love this person that you're married to, this person who in that moment is making you insanely mad and you look at them and you're like, I don't even care if I see this person again. And it's your partner, you know? Yeah. So I think that's what she means by adopting his birth. Course, like yeah. try to and remember. I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it is fascinating. But I think, again, I think as well, the, we have this utility of being able to to take these things and say, okay, right, well, that. And I think this can sometimes be a, a blocker, and it's the only reason I'm sort of offering this this back is sometimes it can be a blocker in relationships is when we think we should be anything. Is it that 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 word should? It's just such a treat, you know. And yeah. the moment we have that expectation of anything, then it it kind of pigeonholes us into that being the only way or being the right way and of course we're all going to be drawn towards particular things maybe it's your faith maybe it's your spirituality maybe it's a a particular um idol that you have that does something in a particular way that you think is the right way and you've adopted as the right way and that's all great for inspiration and and like say on ultimate creating this ultimate target but ultimately that 
goal that you're aiming for, whatever that looks like in your relationship, really wants to be created by you, not by anything external. And the fact you are going to get bumped off the road. And you're right, there are going to be times where you really don't want to be in the same room as your partner right now. Does that mean you don't love them? No, I don't think so. It's just that the emotion that's present at that particular point in time is just challenging to overcome. And that's understandable. You know, we we are faced with when when we get these inner conflicts between us and our partner, which it's an interesting point. Is it really conflict between me and my partner? Or is it a conflict between me and me? I have these there's one part of me that wants to feel or think or act in this way. And there's another part of me that wants to think, feel and act in that way. And these two things are conflicting. So I'm feeling frustration, anger, or in the even worst cases, I mean, you, you, you suggested contempt and shame, which are, you know, on probably the top of the list or up there with emotions that are not that useful, in all honesty, <laughs> um, in terms of moving forward. But I would then, imagine they're pretty yeah. present when you're dealing with infidelity. Oh, and that the people don't always still love each other. Oh no, no, of course not. No, yeah. and some people genuinely don't love each other, and and they maybe and maybe the infidelity is the just the final straw on a relationship that should have ended probably long before. You know, not every relationship should be saved. Absolutely not. Yeah. So but talk that, a little bit about that because I read about that on your website about how you actually it's it really isn't about. Um, it's up to the individual and the couple, right? Of course. There is no yeah, there's, there's no there's no rule that you should reconcile. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I think I think first of all, as an individual, it's it's important to get clear on what it is that you want. But getting clear on what you want, separate from all of the other factors, and what I mean by that is, so for example, when I discovered that my wife had been unfaithful. I'd already made a decision that I wasn't prepared to walk away from the marriage. I didn't want to walk away from it. But I had conditions and I didn't realize at the time, I would label them as boundaries now, but I didn't really realize this at the time. And I had them more as conditions. And the conditions were that, well, he had to be out of our lives, the affair partner. And I, I think I'd still stick by that. <laughs> makes makes rational sense if you're going to, you know, going forward, you know, I don't yeah. think that's too, too, too big an ask. Um, I, I wanted her to want to want me as in to actively want to actually be in this relationship. And most importantly, not just because it was the easiest thing to do, not just because of the kids, not just because of money, not just because of logistics, not because of the house, all of the other reasons that many people do stay in relationships. And this is often where we get into this really difficult situation. And I recognize that some people are in very challenging, have a very challenging set of circumstances that that require, you know, it's just more obstacles. It's more things to overcome. And, and I, I know that it's not always easy in those situations. One, because you're faced with these intense emotions that are just overwhelming. And many of the people I speak to, and from my own experience as well, sort of validates it in a way, is that experiencing betrayal in a long-term monogamous relationship is possibly one of the worst things you can experience as a human being. That it's an incredibly intense emotions. I don't like. I don't believe that there's any such thing as a traumatic event, because really trauma is more about how the individual has reacted to the event. But if there was such thing as a traumatic event, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there. It's very very intense. 
Um, I feel like I've lost my way a little bit. I've gone on a couple of sidetracks here. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten what the original well, question is. Not unusual for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, well, let's get, we'll get back on. The brain's like. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about marriage doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to stay together. And I want to add that everybody's marriage can look different. We got this idea that marriage is supposed to be a certain way and the couple is supposed to be in love and they have great sex and they have it like for decades. They don't get bored with each other. You know, they still are kind and sweet. And it's just like, you know, the majority of people are not doing that. No. Nobody no. will be honest about it. Like, <laughs> like waiting for someone else to, that's why I want to start talking about that kind of stuff on the podcast. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's painful as well. I mean, I see it on some of the forums, on some of the, the groups that you see online and there'll be somebody, you know, calling out how they're, having sex every day and that's how it should always be and it's you know they're both of them are feeling completely fulfilled and and okay i'm not saying that doesn't exist uh, i think that on given how that we've got eight billion people on the planet there's a likelihood that everything exists but the in terms of that being the norm or to be expected or even to be desired actually i would even or does the wife level. want it you exactly know? you know yeah. it's like is that yeah probably like please dear god <laughs> yeah. it's funny i remember listening to a ah, oh, it's a coaching call or a podcast or something and i remember this 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 lady had come on and she was talking about to-do list sex and i love that it was oh, such a great daniel label savory? was it daniel savory i know i can't know I, I, I can't think who it He's was really it was something good. i heard a couple of years ago yeah, to, anyway, yeah. i had to-do list sex and maybe i'd heard it third second or third hand but yeah but yeah it's so true you know it's like well what okay may, maybe you mate maybe you're you feel satisfied because you're getting sex every day but is your partner exactly on exactly the same level it, i mean how how often do two people have the same sex drive pretty remote right. i mean hormonally like people are so different so then people who don't have that that strong sex drive or like feel like there's something missing with them or something exactly. wrong with them. And then there's all kinds of other things that happen as you age that impact. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously men yeah. and women experience very different things. Yeah. You know, we, we have very different cycles. You know, we, we, as a guy, I run pretty much on a 24 hour cycle and then it's just repeat, you know, and, <laughs> and that's obviously not the same for, for, for women. And again, of course, that changes itself throughout life as well at different stages of life. Just quickly to come back and answer that question that has come back mm -hmm. into my mind is that so getting very clear on what it is that you want as an individual with all of the additional stuff stripped away. Now, what because at least once you know what it is that you want, and that involves a bit of digging and a bit of exploring and really being truly honest with yourself. But at least once you know that, then you can start to add back in all of the other elements that do exist like the fact that you do have kids and like the fact that there maybe are some financial obligations or maybe there is this and maybe there is that but you're coming at it from a very different place rather than coming at it because you feel like you've got no choice you're now doing it intentionally rather than from a place of like hidden in the corner you know and yeah to, almost to the point where it's it's very tempting to wear the victim label and to have that little you know to say that oh well I've, I, there's nothing i can do it's not my fault regardless of the situation and okay i'm not saying that's not technically obviously there's always going to be a victim and a, and a perpetrator i suppose in any kind of conflict situation mm -hmm. disagreement but 
and you know fine if you want to i can i can say yes you're right you are the victim of the situation but if you live in that place then you don't move you stay stuck you become the trapped person hidden in the corner that doesn't move forward and that is no use to anybody so having that clear focus about what it is you want gives you that it's like that fire inside and then you can start to make some real intentional decisions moving forward yeah and it seems like too i think people are i mean like i said i'm a practical kind of person and there's a lot of people who can't leave their partner they don't especially women they don't have the money they can't afford it they're too scared they don't have the confidence whatever it might be so I think with society's expectations of what marriage is supposed to be like, which is just a joke, because it's not even remotely true, that they stay with their partner, this partner that they hate, right? And they're in this toxic environment where they can't stand one another and they hate one another. And I totally get why some people can't leave, but I so want those people who decide to stay to figure out a way to be at peace with themselves if they're staying in that situation because otherwise they're just a victim over and over again yeah and I, I, mean, I think i would argue that again saying that you can't is a bit like saying that you can't afford something or you can't it's not really a, it's more about how you what, what your choices are and it's like own the choice you don't you know it's too frightening that it is it's driven by fear it I'm, takes I'm a certain terrific. amount of courage and ability to really look oh, at your hundred percent. Oh yeah, oh no, oh no, absolutely. I don't, I don't I'm, know. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to over, you know, I'm not trying to dismiss the the lived experience of anybody in that situation. I'm not saying it's easy either. Not at all. Yeah. But I just sometimes feel that when we use certain types of language that is so restrictive, so disempowering, then actually there's nothing we can ever do about it. Because okay. Let's say, for example, you're in a situation, you're in a relationship and you feel like you can't leave. And then you form some kind of relationship with somebody at work, for, for example. And that, that eventually turns into, let's just say, an emotional affair. Mm -hmm. And your husband finds out and he's not standing for it. That's it. You're out. You're out on the street or you, whatever it is. You, the point is that you're no longer living together. So all of a sudden, you're no longer in a marriage in the house so using the word i can't doesn't exist anymore because you obviously can you just don't want to and that's okay i'm not saying that you should i'm just saying at least own why you're doing what you're doing rather than i'm innocent in this i can't do it there's nothing i can do i'm stuck woe me and i and i know that can come across as very like challenging people particularly when they're in that situation because they'll be like loop you don't understand you don't understand my situation you don't understand and well no okay i don't understand your exact situation that is true but i've worked with lots of people and i've experienced many difficult decisions myself in all areas of my life and i have a choice i can either tell myself that i can't do that or i can just have a go and just try and figure it out because sometimes you just think you just don't know what comes tomorrow. You don't. And you've got well, choices. I'm with you because you like I'm focused on doing this work too. So I mean, I don't I always believe there's a choice and we're responsible for what we decide to do and stuff. But I know enough people and I've heard the words come out of their mouth and they're in marriages where they're unhappy and yeah. they're they are in victim mode and they're not going to get a coach 
to figure it out, you know, and that's unfortunately, that's a, a, a lot of people yeah or deciding to stay in this place because they don't believe in themselves enough to get out of it or whatever it might be they don't have the nervous system to support taking care of themselves and trying to do that stuff so that's what i was more talking about that but even regardless of whether it's a choice or not to decide for the rest of your life that you're going to be miserable in a home with somebody day in and day out i would be figuring out how if i was staying I would figure out how to get along with that person and at least make it a yes. tolerable, you know, pleasant environment. And that's a very good point because you're right. There's, again, we tend to look at these things very black and white. It's like there's only this option or that option. But actually, there's always other options. And mm -hmm. if we are able to accept that, even if to begin with, as we're starting to understand this, we're able to, to begin to accept that there are certain elements or behaviors of our partner if we look at it from a different perspective it's not it doesn't have the same impact that it does now and again i'm not looking we're not saying change everything you think and believe about your partner just pick one little thing one little action one little activity maybe for example maybe when they come home from work they don't give you a kiss and you think that they should well maybe that's just not how they were brought up maybe it's not their experience maybe you've never actually asked them maybe you're just expecting it and now it's just creating something for you to be frustrated and annoyed about and that's one tiny tiny little thing now if you start adding that up on all of the multiple potential things that you could be frustrated or choose to be unhappy about in your relationship, then it's not going to be long before you feel like you've got a pretty good argument as to why he or she is the problem and you're not. So I think to begin with, it's just about picking one little thing and just starting with that. How can I look at that one teeny little behavior and look at it from a different perspective? Is there another way of looking at it? Is it really true? And really, I suppose, you know, I sometimes talk about the reticular activating system and how our, our brains are just designed to filter out things that don't align with our beliefs. And that can be really useful in a lot of ways. Like, you know, if you and me were in a coffee shop and there's a lot of noise, you and me could have a conversation. And although there's all this noise going on around us, we're able to filter it out and still focus on the thing. The problem with that is if there's some danger that appears at the coffee shop door, for example, the likelihood is that we probably wouldn't spot it because our reticular activating system is filtering that thing out. Well, the same happens in the home. And, and you know, we see some action of our partner and we believe that, I don't know, maybe you believe that my partner doesn't love me or my partner doesn't think I'm good enough. So everything that he or she does is evidence to support that. It's like, well, hang on, how about we just maybe see what if the opposite was true and just work on those little things? Because you're right, going from being so deeply entrenched in that situation to, well, this guy on some podcast has just said, don't say you can't, you know, I recognize <laughs> that it's too big. <laughs> it's a big leap. I get it. You know, and I'm not, I'm not. And again, it's about where we're putting our, our peg in the, in the sand, if you like, as terms of like, what's our, our point, what's the bit we're aiming for. And I think like anything, any journey is all about putting one step in front of the other. And there's no rule about how many steps that should take, but you're right. You have got a choice. You can choose to make the relationship better. And you can do that just by looking at it differently.
Yeah. And also like with communication. So like we're going, my husband and I are going through some growing pains now because I turned 60 and I used it as, as a catalyst for anything and everything. <laughs> so I'm making myself a priority big time and I'm going on my cross country trip by myself and he's very worried and concerned about me. So there's a lot of things going on, but I'm also kind of rebelling a little bit because I did do what was expected of me for so long. And I'm kind of like, you know, I can't be contained right now. Like I am, I, I know what I want and I know what I'm doing. So we're going through a phase of me learning how to calm down a little bit about that and him adjusting to this new version of me. And I bring this up because people think that when your partner doesn't say anything, like I'm thinking of your situation, you thought everything was fine, yeah. right? Well, so I tell my husband like what's going on me, with me and what I'm thinking. And it can make him nervous because I'm saying all these things, but I'm like, listen, this is what a marriage looks like that last. The person actually speaks up and tells you what they want and, and what they're, what they're all about. Like, it, yeah. this is like what you need. It's not to be quiet and yeah. pretend like everything's okay when it's not. Exactly. And I think that can be it could be very scary for the person on the receiving end as well because yeah. they've got used to a particular type of behavior they've got your husband has got used to how you've been for the last however many years 20. and now all of a sudden there's this change which is very unsettling now it's like actually is she no longer interested and is just gonna fly off and do something on her own and i'm no longer i no longer play an important role in her life or is this really just her, about her expressing her own individuality and taking control of the situation and it not mean anything about the relationship? But of course, if that's never been the kind of conversations that have been, been had before, or at least not to that depth, then that can be very, very unnerving. And it'd be, it'd be interesting mm -hmm. to know how, how you're approaching that to... to not soften, but to alleviate his concerns, yeah. to no, support I think him. Softens fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to come across. I mean, initially, like, so when I think when you're in a relationship and you've been doing things a certain way, for me, it's always tapping into anger that gets me to speak up first. It's always a little messy and a little sputtery, and I'm shaking or whatever, and then I get a little bit more comfortable with it. Then I come back to it, and then I have conversations. And I, I mean, it's actually a question that I ask women that come on the podcast now regularly, because a lot of the women are doing the work and the guys aren't. And I'm like, so what's it like for you being in a relationship where? you're doing all this work, is your partner into it or aren't they? And they love the women like answering that question because a lot of them aren't. I don't care if my husband does it, like he doesn't have to be, I don't have to get that part of my life met by my husband. I have friends now and all kinds of people that are into that, but I do want the freedom to be me and to be authentic. So that's, so it's like, I don't, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So you have to be able to do what you want. And I don't want to be controlled by someone else's idea of what they think that is. But, and sure. I don't expect him to do anything that's not aligned with him. But again, the conver the communication is what makes it all okay. That's, that's, that's it. That's exactly what I was going to say is that as long as that communication exists, then there's nothing to, for, for, for either of you to be worried about even if even if that is such a thing it's just about having that dialogue about that 
communication, the fact that people change. I mean, you think of pretty much any point in your life a couple of years ago, five years ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's like, are you the same person now as you were then? Pretty unlikely. You know, and what's the likelihood that your partner is going to change exactly the same rate that you do in a line with you? It's it's, it's ludicrous to to even think that that's in a lot of ways. It's a miracle that people do stay together as long as they do, because we do change so much. Um, And I think, unfortunately, for for many, these, these we spend a lot of our lives trying to solve problems through things like compromise. And I'm not saying that compromise doesn't have its place and it can be useful. But the problem with compromise is that we always end up both parties, both parties have to give a little. So each person has to be in a little bit of discomfort to move forward to for this relationship to exist. And okay, on certain things, maybe that's fine. And maybe if you've got really challenging, you're really struggling with conflict, then the compromise is a great place without doubt. The the problem really lies, though, is if when there's that little bit of conflict happen and you're having to give a little, then what you're doing is you just putting a drop of resentment in that pot. And you you extrapolate that over years and decades, and those pots get full. And oh, I lived it. My pot was full, and it was yeah. all my fault. Yes, true. And it's great, to, it's great to own that as well. Yeah. You know. It's really hard to see that, though, like when you're... Yeah, when you're in it. it but it's um yeah so i'm glad we're really talking about this because they i mean people have to talk to one another and also i think since we're talking about this we should also bring up something else that i think happens in relationships all the time about the grass being greener on the other side yes if I right <laughs> yeah. it's interesting it's interesting i think and I think we, we we do that in all areas of life as well. Yeah. You know, any any time yeah. we're in discomfort, I mean, it's pretty standard human behavior, isn't it? You know, we're in discomfort. We want to try and get away from it. We try and seek pleasure, and we believe that the other thing is going to solve all the problems. And we do this in relationships. I can recognize it in business as well. You know, there's always some bright, shiny light that's going to solve all my problems. The perfect marketing solution, the perfect <laughs> this, the perfect yeah. whatever it is. You know, and and we're drawn toward that. There's this belief we have this, you know, belief that that is better than what I currently have, whatever the situation. Yeah. And that's again the problem is when you go there, something else is also now the new bright light, and then the new bright light, and then the new bright light. And, it's a never-ending It's journey. never outside you. No, never, never. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, so, yeah, the, the old uh, grass is always greener, particularly in relationships, is not very useful. No. Very, well, very, very bit, rarely true. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit um, about how, because we're kind of, um, but it's been a really fun conversation. Yeah. But let's talk about how, um people can work with you. And if you don't mind me just asking one question, because I think it would be beneficial to the audience is how do you feel now moving forward about making a commitment and trusting yourself to do that? Is that something that's, um... yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there's, there's after, after we separated, divorced, she remained in a relationship for about a year with the affair partner. Um, and it was pretty challenging because the you know it was gradually becoming more integrated with the children and and lots oh, of things gosh, that, that were very very awkward. unpleasant. So again, a whole separate conversation. But so I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel somewhat relieved when that relationship did in fact come to an end. At least that was one thing as, as far as the kids were concerned. I didn't have to 
to deal with and fight. So like I said, we'd always we'd we'd already spent quite a bit of time sort of focusing on the kids, I suppose. We'd I'd certainly, interestingly enough, probably a mistake on reflection. It didn't seem that way at the time. I put the kids as like the priority, like the focal point. Which seemed like when well, you're thinking, well, that sounds like the obvious thing to do, surely. You know, that's what everybody else was telling me. Um, but the reality was once I realized that when I put myself first, I truly put myself first in every area, the kids got the best version of me anyway. So that was a, a pretty significant shift for me. However, so we'd we'd formed this co-parent relationship, you know, we were getting on pretty well. We would see, you know, obviously I'd see the kids, I'd see her three or four times a week you know uh, when, I, when I dropped the kids off and the variety of things and a couple of years went by and we both sort of did our dating and various things anyway long story short we are actually now back together you are yes oh my gosh but, it's but, like, i'm but, so glad i asked this question yes it's like really interesting okay but we don't we, we don't we don't live together and we've got no current intention of living together um but we're regularly checking in and communicating about what it is that we do want. And, you know, I mean, you'll be familiar with the concept of, of want match. And that's kind of the process that we've used. It was sort of like, what are the things that we want individually? What are the things that we want in a relationship? Which of those things align? Which of those things do we need to try and find from elsewhere? You know, much like you say, and there's some of the conversations, the fact that you've got the community with the people that you've met in the line of work that you're doing now, it's very much the same for me. It's like, I don't need my wife to fulfill all my needs or my ex-wife now to fulfill yeah. all my needs. So it's an unusual dynamic in that sense. However, it kind of works perfectly because... Because you're in separate houses. Have, yeah, we're, we're, we exactly. We have oh our own God. time. Like, we have like really that. intentional time. The time yeah. with the kids is very intentional. It's it's created a completely different set of rules and circumstances and all the things, actually. Don't you um, love that you created that, though? That oh, you're I love it. I do love it. Yeah. That you it's amazing. It. It's amazing. I yeah. love it. And, I mean, of course, you know, things have changed a lot in the last five years. So to imagine that they might not change a lot again in the next five would be pretty naive. So it's just about really enjoying and embracing the day as it comes, as the moment as it comes, and just keep communicating, keeping that communication. It's absolutely, it's so critical, but it's so overlooked. We just take things for granted. But in terms of like the the trust element that you that you touched on, you know, it's a it's a, a good question. You know, I was betrayed in my relationship, and of course, it really did feel like my the trust had been broken that it had been truly severed and that was a pretty challenging thing to to work through there's a combination of factors and it's a, it's a complex topic but i suppose really for me was recognizing that the trust that i have in others is all really about me and much less about the other person now of course obviously if someone repeatedly does something that consistently betrays you then okay maybe you probably don't want to remain in a relationship with that kind of person but that wasn't the case for me this was a relative you know, although a very significant ultimately an isolated incident at least as far as i was aware and she did do a little bit of work herself as well again not to, not to the extent or the same sort of line that i have but all of these things started to come into play but most importantly was rebuilding that trust with myself because after i'd been betrayed i 
it wasn't a case of like how could i trust her it's like how could i trust my own judgment going yeah forward? exactly how could i how could i trust my judgment in not only just her but in other people anybody moving forward you yeah. know because I, I don't want to feel this pain again it's horrible um and i think once i started to really communicate better with myself in terms of like these internal parts that we sort of loosely touched on earlier i was able to get into a place where i could have one part of me that thought and felt one thing and another part of me that thought and felt something else and instead of having them like trying to get out of my head on opposite sides in, in, in like eternal conflict they actually started to talk to each other and started to explore well, what's at the core what's the real core need behind that emotion that's driving that particular action and once I started to do that I started to have my own back because it's like okay I can now do this myself and then once I mastered that, I was able to then take that out into other into the into the world and recognize that it's just about opening that communication between all levels of conflict, which is ultimately where trust lies. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. I didn't see that coming. No. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love twists and turns in this. <laughs> So, okay, well, we are kind of, we're definitely yes. getting to that, but this has been great. But tell people how they can work with you. Yeah, okay. So I, I work predominantly with uh, clients one-to-one. -one. Um, I work, again, predominantly with those who have been betrayed, but not exclusively. I do have unfaithful clients as well. You can contact me via my website, which is lifecoachluke.com. Uh, using any of the contact methods on there or you can come and take a listen to my podcast which is called after the affair and i talk about everything infidelity and yeah everything you can imagine that i've experienced and many of my clients um having experienced betrayal so is that so when people work with you is that like a weekly thing does it so i normally i normally because because of the 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 magnitude if you like the gravity of the situation it's usually for a period of three months uh, and in some cases longer um, but it, it is dependent on the situation it's very normal to see people once they start to do the work they they get some you know some real wins and things moving up and up and up and up and then there's this like reverse moment where all of a sudden they feel like they're not doing well enough they're not doing good enough not making enough process they start to not make enough progress sorry and they start to judge and question themselves so for me because healing from betrayal is a pretty significant event it requires time so three months was like the shortest time that i believe i can help somebody really get on that journey and really start to release that but, but many clients sign for six months all right well is there anything else that you want to share that you didn't have a chance to say i think that's probably the only the only thing that i think is, is useful is when it comes to things like infidelity and it's not just infidelity but any significant life event that, that didn't go the way that you planned i think it can often be seen as like the end and like there's no way out and it's this solid wall that you can't move past but i really like to offer that when it comes to any of these things actually why can't it just be the beginning why can't it be the the start of this new chapter and much like i i mentioned at the beginning i saw this blank canvas which initially was terrifying because it had nothing on it and i didn't know what to do or where to go but then once i started to look at it as a blank canvas that i got to create i got to draw the direction and the route and the plan then all of a sudden it changed my life completely and i wouldn't be here having this conversation with you if i hadn't done that well and not to mention i am the new and improved version 
of my husband's life. So I'm yes. on the canvas now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I always tell him that. I'm like, listen, I'm here. His, I'm just kidding. His ex wife yeah, is lovely. I'm not saying anything. No. I joke about that. So. <laughs> Well, it was a lot of fun talking. I mean, we kind of laughed a lot for talking about infidelity. So, um, you know, let's lighten it up and get people talking about it. Yep. All right, audience. I know you learned something valuable here today. I'll see you next episode. Thanks for being here and learning about Brain BS. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. If you did, please take a little time to do a quick review. Give me five stars and share it with everyone you know. If you're actually interested in being on the podcast yourself or have questions about it, you can find me in the Brain BS podcast community on Facebook. See you next time.